This is episode 56 with Jane Mattis, psychotherapist, author, founder, and director of the Single Mothers by Choice. Well, the mom chose to have a child on her own and nobody died, nobody left. You know, some adults don't get it. A choice that the mom made and that the child is fine and the family is fine. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Today, you'll be hearing from Jane Mattis. She is a New York City psychotherapist specializing in alternative families and anxiety. She is the author of the book, Single Mothers by Choice, as well as the OG Mama, founder and director of the Single Mothers by Choice organization that has over 30,000 members since its inception over 41 years ago. So she is the pioneer mama that started this movement. And today we're going back to the root and talking about why she started this organization, why it's still going strong, and the different types of women that are being helped by this group. This group. So you'll hear about the thinkers, the triers, and the mothers. So if you're in one of these groups, then listen to this episode as well as the next one I'll be releasing because we're going to be focusing on this specific topic and how some women are choosing an unconventional path towards becoming mothers. In episode 57, you'll hear specifically about one of her members, a Canadian mama. I hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome, Jane, to the Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you for being here today to educate a woman on what is being a single mother by choice, what is that life like, and how does one know if this is the right path for her? Thank you for having me. So I had a friend who's not a mother yet. Uh, She's in her mid-30s, and she had mentioned that she wanted kids, but she doesn't have a partner. I mean, the idea of going the traditional path was not happening right now. And so she had mentioned maybe having a child without a partner. From there, I actually kept thinking about it and happened to look online and find your book. I read your book about being a single mother by choice. It it really gives us an overview if this is right for you and different options and how to go about it, which we'll talk about today. But I think a lot of us might be thinking, why would a woman want to become a single mother by choice? Because being a mom, let alone when you have a partner, is really hard. So why would someone choose to do it as a single parent? Right. Really good question. 
usually the simplest way to put it is that the woman wants to be a mom and women have a limited time to have a baby. Your fertility starts to decline around 35 and then the window's slowly closing to have a biological child at least. Although you can adopt up to about 50, it's not easy to be a mom in your 40s under the best of circumstances. So being a mom alone, you know, we encourage people to at least think about it no later than their early 30s. And the question they really have to think about is, is this right for me? Am I somebody who would be comfortable being the sole parent and having to give up a lot of one's own self and a lot of free time and a lot of fun things that we did when we were single and instead devote oneself to a child for at least the next minimum two to three years. It's pretty all absorbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's you, really, do I want to have a child? Yeah. Cause you started your organization, single mothers by choice 39 years ago. So you must have seen an evolution of those days, maybe women were choosing to be single mother by choice for different reasons than they are doing now. Have you seen a difference? There is a big difference now, but not the why. The why has remained the same, but the who has changed. Used to be mostly of somebody who lived large city where there was a lot of diversity of families. And what we've seen, especially in the last 10 years, I would say, is the parts of the country, uh, at least in the U.S., that are more conservative, more traditional. We're now getting many, many more members from those areas. So it seems to have become not quite mainstream, but almost mainstream, whereas it used to be a much more limited kind of population. You have over 30,000, I believe, mothers in your membership. Not just mothers. We have thinkers, triers, pregnant or adopting, and mothers. That was interesting to read that over half of your members are women that are thinking about it. That's interesting. Both people who have been, they want to connect with people who've done it and people who are struggling with the decision, maybe. And it may be also a factor of not being that comfortable talking about it when they're still in the decision-making process, they may not want to bring it up with their close friends and family who may have strong opinions Mm -hmm. (laughs) about it. And they may want to just think it through a little bit alone, you know, alone in the sense of outside of their immediate circle, where they hope they can get the freedom to really weigh the pros and cons and decide it with help from those who've been through it, especially. Back in, I think, 1981, that's when you had your son, right? 80. I started the group in 81. Yeah. Okay. In 81. So prior to having your son and even considering being a single mother by choice, because I'm sure at that time it wasn't very common, what was happening or not happening in your life? I realized that um, I was 36 at the time that I got pregnant. And I realized that the window for becoming a mom was really closing. And I actually, my gynecologist had said, and my aunt, my favorite aunt, both had said to me, 
you know, if you want to be a mom, you, you might want to hurry up because uh, <laughs> your time is ticking away there. And so I thought, no question, I want to be a mom. I was uh, not with anybody that I was uh, seriously considering would be a husband. And it was getting hard to find them. And some of my married friends were having fertility problems, which also brought this home to me that this doesn't necessarily present an easy route forward when you get pregnant or try to get pregnant older. So um, I thought, well, if I can have a baby, um, I mean, honestly, I was naive and a little bit um, optimist, overly optimistic. I thought, <laughs> how hard can it be? I mean, how hard could it be? It's just a baby. You know? Yes. I had no idea. None. So you were 36 at that time? Yes, when I got pregnant. And 37 when I gave birth. So it was your aunt and your doctor. Did they give you the idea of being a single mom? Yeah, like, they both did. Uh, if you want to be a mom, you'll be a great mom. And the, that was my aunt. And mm -hmm. my doctor said, you know, you, you, I have to tell you, your fertility isn't going to last forever. You just might want to think about that. You know, uh -huh. he wasn't encouraging, encouraging me to be a single mom necessarily, but, but like he was pointing out the biological facts. You talk in your book about different options to becoming pregnant as a single mother by choice. Talk about those options and which one did you decide on going with to have your son? Well, I think the best one is usually the one that you feel most comfortable with. Some people really want to be pregnant and want to go through that experience. It's a, for some women, a, you know, a major part of life that they don't want to miss. Some people feel adoption is just better or just right for them. They don't necessarily want to become pregnant. Some people really don't want to become pregnant. And um, it's, uh, it's also helping to find a home for a child that doesn't have one. Mm -hmm. So in my situation, I actually was thinking about adopting because I didn't, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a sperm bank back then. <laughs> But I accidentally got pregnant. And that is not the typical story of our membership. But at that time, um, it was rare to, to know a single woman who got pregnant, much less through a sperm bank. You know what I mean? If you, a lot of single women would marry the person they got pregnant with, even if they didn't love them, mm -hmm. which led to an incredible divorce rate, uh, very high divorce rate. And I just was very clear my son's biological father is not interested in marriage or family. And although I, we had known each other for three years, we were, we understood that he was not interested in that. Um, and he said to me, you'll be a wonderful mom. Good luck to you. Hmm. And I was like, as I said, very naive. And I thought, okay, great. <laughs> I'm going to do it. So it, it actually, it happened at the right time that you were actually thinking about it. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yes, my biological clock apparently had its own mind. You also mention in your book that even though you choose to be a single parent, that it's important to have a support system around you, around the child. Who were the people that supported you? Well, that is why I developed the support group, Single Mothers by Choice, when my son was one, because I really wanted to talk with other single mothers by choice. And I didn't feel that my married friends and even my unmarried friends or my own mother 
could fully understand what it's like to be the sole parent 24 Mm seven. But these other women I felt probably could and would. And so I found, this was pre-internet, I found seven women or six including six plus me, um, who were thinking about doing this or were pregnant or had already given birth as I had. And we got together for a meeting and we just couldn't stop talking. And then we decided to eventually organize and organize and make an organization out of us thinking that other women might be in the same um, frame of mind that they wanted to talk about this with Mm -hmm. people who were doing it or had done it. But the main reason is because I am a therapist, actually that's my real job and I have a private practice and have for many years. And I know from my professional experience that if a child has a good, strong, loving connection with at least one parent, they'll be fine. Mm. It's the people that don't have a good, positive, loving connection with a parent or two parents that uh, really struggle in life because they don't have a good early connection and foundation. So -hmm. that's why I felt if I was supported by my mother, who was extremely supportive, and my friends, many Mm -hmm. of whom were very supportive, some who disappeared, and other single women who were doing this, I felt if I got that good support that I would be better able to help my son to feel supported and connected. How often did you meet? We, start, we always met monthly, and to this day, the local chapters and single mothers by choice all over the country pretty much meet monthly, the ones that actually do meet, although these days nobody's actually meeting except virtually. But mm-hmm. um, there is in-person support, but there's also, we offer support on our website for members only uh, on a very wonderful online forum, which provides support for thinkers, triers, pregnant people, adopting people, and moms at all stages of the process from early infancy to college and beyond. Let's talk about who would be a good candidate to become a single mother by choice. And afterwards, we'll talk about the wrong reasons to consider maybe becoming one. The ideal person would be someone who is open to accepting help And so they can develop a support system because you cannot do this alone. Mm -hmm. You can do this as a single person, but you can't do this alone. It's really important to be able to accept help because you're going to need it. You get sick, your baby gets sick. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not going to be an easy ride, especially at the beginning before your child is verbal and before they can easily, you know, be cared for by somebody else if you have to go to the hospital. I think one of the most important things to ask yourself is, how can I accept help? Is that easy for me? Is that something I struggle with? Mm -hmm. And how can I work on being open to that? As far as other criteria, I think, in truth, we're a very typical group of women, like all other mothers, married or not. We have a range of personalities and philosophies, and, you know, we're not that alike in many ways. And yet, the one thing we really have in common is that we want to be a mother. Because if you don't really want this, like 110%, it's much harder. I mean, it was the hardest thing I ever did. And yet I loved every minute of it. That is uh, probably the truth of the situation. I mean, these days, the one thing I hear from women that are not mothers yet is the financial impact of having a child. 
anything you could suggest to a single a woman who would consider this path? Are most of your members, do they have different level incomes? What are some patterns? Sure. We do have mothers uh, with a range of incomes. The truth is, if you can take support from friends, family, and an organization like ours, you don't need a lot of money any more than you would if you didn't have a child. There is, oh, I mean, obviously everybody ideally should have six months income put away, but I don't know if most people actually have that. I don't know. We've never really asked that about our population. But if you don't have a lot of money, those unpaid support systems are very valuable. And if you do have a lot of money, obviously you can pay for support. You can pay for childcare. You can pay for mm -hmm. the best childcare, you know, and you can pay for a lot of things that support you as a mom, you know, pampering kind of things. Money helps, but it's not only for rich people. That's, that's a myth, I think, because if you can take support from people who really want to support you, you know, then you're in a good place. On the flip side, who should not consider the, the, this path? Right. What are some maybe thoughts that she's Great. having or expectations? Great question. I love that you asked that. If you really relish your freedom and your ability to just do whatever you want when you want it, if you're a selfish person, if you really don't love children at any stage, not all of us love all the stages, but if you don't really feel drawn to seeing a child develop and grow, then it's probably not a good idea. The worst reason I've heard is I want somebody to be there in my old age. Mm. Because if you're not a wonderful mother, or at least a good mother, let's be realistic, a good mother, um, <laughs> the child won't be there in your old age. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned some misconceptions. I've been reading articles saying how being a single mother by choice is like a growing trend. More and more people mm -hmm. are becoming right. aware of it and some are considering it. But what are still some misconceptions that you're aware of? It doesn't need to be that woman who might consider or maybe it's, I mean, her parents friends, co-workers, what are some misconceptions uh, they think being a single mother by choices or uh, that's yeah. slow to change still? There, it, it has changed dramatically since the early days, but there's still a little, um, some pushback from men, some men, I should say, many men are very supportive of us, but some men feel hurt that we don't feel as they experience it that they're necessary mm. um, and I do think that that is not true I mean I think men are very important and very valuable I raised one it's not that they're necessarily important as a biological father it's more a social importance that I think we have to include men in our children's lives that are loving men only mm -hmm. loving men because I think it's important for a child to experience the world, which is both men and women, as uh, a place where they're loved by both. That's one of the big myths. The other thing that I used to get that I don't get anymore is that children of single mothers end up on drugs or in jail, which is totally absurd. I think it seems to me that in many cases, there isn't that kind of connection that um, they have with support systems. 
And mm-hmm. so they're not supported as well as they might be. Mm-hmm. One of the topics you said that you were really interested in understanding was about the importance of having a father figure in that child's life. Can you talk about that? And you've mentioned that research doesn't show negative impact later on in life. How is it for the child to grow up with a mother and not having a father present? I think having loving people in the child's life is essential. Not just the mother and not just the grandma or the aunts and the uncles, but a lot of loving people, male and female. Mm-hmm. And so if the child has that, then they have someone to go to when they're upset with their mom, someone who, like my aunt, you know, mm-hmm. who was a very important person in my life, or any, any number of loving people is a plus in any child's life. You mentioned the book, how they need to know how to interact with a man in the world. It isn't always easy to find a father figure, but it is sometimes possible. I did, and my son and he are still very close. Actually, I did. There were two men. There was also a big brother in my child's life from the Big Brothers organization. So, and um, both of them were at my son's wedding, and um, they're still in touch today. I think you can find these people, but if you can't find one primary one, then small doses of positivity from a lot of men is a great thing because a girl likes to feel um, that men will love her. And it's a man also wants to feel that men will love him and also get some ideas of what it's like to be a man. Mm-hmm. When the child starts asking questions about how come we're not like them, and especially maybe in school-aged kids. Uh, how come yeah. I don't have a dad or two parents? Maybe uh, your son had all these questions with you. Talk about that, and what's the best way? In the book, you said it. Um, there's a way that you can describe your one parent family and talk about that and how to approach the topic. We've actually gotten more able to figure out how the best way to tell a child about this might be. And what we've come to is that it's best to start telling the child at birth before the child understands anything you're saying. And the story, it's like a story that you tell the child and you get practice in telling it early on, which I didn't think of at the time I was raising my child. I told him when he asked, which was around three. Now we suggest that people start telling their children this little story just from the get-go of um, once upon a time, there was a lady who wanted to be a mommy and there was nobody around to be the daddy. And so the lady went to a doctor and the doctor helped her have a baby. And the baby is, guess who? You. <laughs> and, and, so it they, and, and it's a very simple story, which can mm-hmm. be amplified mm-hmm. and you know, more spelled out more as the child develops and understands concepts more. So eventually you can go into the details about a donor or, or adoption or whatever the details were. Um, but it's really the mother's comfort level is so important. And ideally you should be able to explain it the way you would explain anything. But the fact was we were finding when we first had to answer the question from our older children that we were like, um, uh, well, um, yeah. you know, uh, well, it's complicated, you know. <laughs> Uh-huh. So we learned that we should start earlier. 
That's a great idea. What happens after you've had your your child as a single mother by choice? Do some of them actually get married after maybe they, they find mm-hmm. someone or yes. have this long-term partnership? Yes. I have always felt as a therapist that the people who really want to get married, get married. And that uh, I see people in my practice who are more ambivalent, whether they know it or not, and tend not to get married until they've worked out some ambivalence about it. But in our group, yes, there are, we have a whole thread on our forum for dating and relationships as a single mother by choice. It's not uncomplicated, as you can imagine. Um, But the positive of it is that they're not, there's no other daddy in the child's life. So if this relationship becomes serious and works out, Mm -hmm. that person will be the daddy of this child if the Mm -hmm. child is young enough to accept that, you know, Mm -hmm. as a daddy, as opposed to a divorce where there is the other man who is the ex, there's no ex. So in some ways that makes it easier for the potential husband or partner to come into the picture without the, I guess you could say competition from the ex. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real opening job opening there. Um, (laughs) And the, the women do date after the child is um, a little bit, not right away necessarily, but once things calm down. And many of the women actually get married and um, find the love of their life because one other positive is that being a mom often scares off the more immature partners. That's a great point. Thinking about it all, I mean, I've heard people where she got pregnant with her boyfriend, but it was way before they were even ready to have a child. It was always normal for them to get married. Like in how I grew up, it, there was never another choice. That was like the best thing you could do the for right your thing. child. The right thing. Yes. So this like totally changes how I viewed it myself. What are some challenges still present today that members are facing or concerned with about being a single mother by choice? Well, certainly our biggest challenge is the coronavirus right now because of so many kids being homeschooled while the mother may be working from home. I don't mean homeschooled in the, in the actual literal sense. I mean schools are not functioning so that the mother ends up being needed to help the child with the school that's virtual and has to do her job from home and uh, without you know, a support system, although it is possible, as I said, to develop a support system to even help you with that kind of challenge, um, it is difficult. So that is in this current environment and being kind of unable to do much even outside of the house in many places, it's really hard. It's really been a challenge to any mother, but particularly a single mother. Mm-hmm. And the other general that. challenges in before and hopefully after COVID are pretty much around um, either you being sick, the child being sick, having a job loss, you know, which may put you in a financial situation that's difficult. The usual challenges of life, I guess, impact single mothers by choice a little bit harder, mm-hmm. depending on how good their support system is. Yeah. I keep coming back to that. Yeah, it's so ex- I'm curious, these mothers, um, 
are they usually choosing to have one child or two kids? I, I saw some had twins. I mean, that must be like, yes. tough. what seems to be like the comfort level, I guess, yeah. to manage it's everything. It's so interesting. I'm glad you asked that because early on when we were doing what was this new experiment almost, everybody just had one child. It was not even something we considered as having, you know, having a second. Like, I don't even know if this one is going to be okay. But since it's almost 40 years later and we have a lot of um, experience and information now, most women come in wanting two and occasionally three. I mean, some women say, you know, if I were married, I would have had two or three. So I want to have two or three. Wow. And so that has actually resulted in women coming in earlier, like early 30s, where we used to be mid-30s and up. We're now 30 and up because of that desire to have at least two. If they're coming earlier, that means they're not as open to finding a relationship? No, some of these mothers with two are getting married. It's a ready-made family for somebody who could be in a family, right? And yeah. then you can have a third if you want a third. No, there doesn't seem to be any correlation. These women are dating, they're finding relationships, and they're finding, as I sort of suggested earlier, that they're a little bit more discerning about who they date. You know, they're looking for somebody who'll be a good dad, not just a good partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't for have them, that pressure you know. of having a child Exactly. Quickly. The pressure is off. That's very interesting. So you've gone through everything. Your son is 39, 40, 40, 40. 40. So I'm curious, what has been the feedback from adults now, but back when you started, I mean, they were babies of being raised by a single mother by choice and talk about the feedback in general from these adult children. Great question. We actually have, um, we had a big uh, meeting, an international meeting. People came from like nine countries or more. 2011, which was our 30th anniversary, one of the panels was the adult children speaking about exactly that. And they and other adult children that I have known have pretty much said that they felt a little bit special in that they were clearly, you know, important to their moms and that they felt very much wanted knowing what their mom had gone through to have them and what they, in some cases, faced in the way of pushback and, and, you know, skepticism Mm -hmm. from their community even. And for the most part, the children seem to have turned out like all other children, which is kind of makes sense, but slightly more wanted than maybe (laughs) the... They didn't um, turn out badly. Uh, They're pretty much like the normal range of children. The one thing I think was fascinating, my daughter-in-law said, she thought that because I raised him, this may be because I was a single mother by choice, but it also might be because I was a therapist, so I don't really know. But I raised him to be an amazing communicator. Mm. That, that they can talk about things in a way that many of her friends can't with their husbands. So because so, you, you were there with him, so the only other person in the home to speak with. Right. And I, and, I, and I wanted to speak with him a lot, you know, mm-hmm. because I was 
as you said, along with him. And being a therapist, I also pushed him, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk mm -hmm. about this. To the point where it was annoying for him. And he told me how annoying it was during his teens. <laughs> but ultimately, I think he appreciates it <laughs> in his <No>. marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so over the years and all you've seen, what are important recommendations for the woman listening who's maybe at the beginning are not mothers yet, but want to become a mother? Right. That's a really important question because I do think the thinking stage is the most important to really evaluate how you would feel about this huge change in your life and not really being able to predict what kind of personality your child will have. You know, how flexible are you? How able are you to take help and support in parenting? You know, those are really the crucial questions. Are you comfortable doing something that isn't the traditional route? Even though it's much more known and accepted than it was, it's still not traditional. Mm -hmm. You know, do you have a community around you that's very traditional? And how will they feel about it? And how will you feel if they can't accept it? And is, is that okay? I mean, there's so many really big things that you have to evaluate going into it. Um, and having a support group, that's really why so many of our members are coming in in the thinking stage, because you really have people helping you, you know, think it through, who have full, direct, firsthand experience with it, mm -hmm. rather than reacting like most people will just react out of their own self and will say, well, I could never do that. How could you do that? Well, it's not about you. It's about me. You know, like, can I do it? It's different than if you can do it. Mm -hmm. So nobody else really knows who you are as well as you do. So they can't give you advice. They can only help you think it through. And people who have done it are best at helping you do that. Mm -hmm. From your members, have you heard these kids, because they're not from traditional families, that yeah. they're being bullied? Some in the earlier days, more so. Okay. Um, these days, I haven't heard it because there are so many non-traditional families out there that the unless you're in a very, very traditional area, mm -hmm. the chances are that in the classroom where most of that bullying starts from, you know, there's at least one other non-traditional family's child. And it also depends a lot on the teachers and the mothers educating the teacher to help the child uh, when other children, you know, may be shocked. Sometimes children get anxious when they hear someone doesn't have a dad, what, my dad could disappear? Uh, what happened to your dad? Like they get nervous and insecure about their own situation maybe turning out that way. Mm. And it's helpful to them to hear the truth. You know, that no, the mom chose to have a child on her own and nobody died, nobody left. And, you know, it, it helps to reassure the kids sometimes because they understandably don't get it. You know, some adults don't get it, and uh, certainly some kids don't. And, and to, to help the children age appropriately to understand that this was a choice that the mom made and that the child is fine and the family is fine. For all the single mothers by choice that have one child, once they leave the house, then what? How it's is it for you or how is it for members? Yeah, the early adjustment is, is the hardest, the, the, the shock of it being just you. 
when your life has centered more or less, less and less and less, but still revolved around this child. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden it's about you again, like it hasn't been in 18 years or 20 years or whatever. Um, and it, you know, we have a section on our online private forum uh, about college and beyond. And that's where these moms are talking about the empty nest syndrome and how big an adjustment it is for us. Mm-hmm. It really is more intense letting go of a child. With I think that's a big difference and a valid comparison to a married couple who get more private time mm-hmm. when they're alone. You know, you get more private time too, but it's just you. So I guess you need so you have to, to figure uh, out what to do with it. Yeah. Too where much. can listeners find more about being a single mother by choice resources? Uh, give us all the yes. details. There's two places. One is our website, singlemothersbychoice.org. And that has uh, all sorts of information for thinkers, triers, mothers, pregnant people, and um, adopting people. But it really is best to join the organization and get into the organization itself. The website isn't more than just like a little orientation to Mm -hmm. the organization. And the other place is an organization called Fertility IQ, which helps uh, people with all aspects of fertility. And they have a great course. It's an online video course on single motherhood, which um, they just put up a couple of months ago. And it's an overview of single motherhood. I'm on it. And one of our members is on it. And one of the grown children is on it. So it's um, fertilityiq.com? Or? Com, yeah. Okay. They have uh, surveys of fertility centers and fertility doctors, and they also have these informational videos on IVF, adoption, all aspects of uh, fertility treatments. It's Mm -hmm. like a wealth of information for anybody who's involved with anything fertility related. Mm. And they do have this wonderful course on single motherhood. And one last question I asked everyone that comes on the podcast. We all know that being a mother, a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Yes, there was actually one thing I kept saying to myself. This is an investment in the early (laughs) years, especially when I wasn't getting much back you know, my son didn't smile at me till he was almost eight weeks old. It was like really late, I think. <laughs> maybe even later. I mean, it was really, I kept saying, this is an investment. This is an investment that eventually I will get some rewards from. But the rewards were so much greater when they came that I could have even imagined or dreamt mm-hmm. that it was so worth it. It's just really hard at the beginning. Yeah. And then I found it got less and less and less hard each year until we hit the teens. That was really rough. But then we got through them. <laughs> and it still is getting better every year, actually. Uh, well, now you're alone. <laughs> He's out of the house. Now. And he and I have a great adult relationship. You know, yes. it's like something I didn't even think of early on. Like, Well, thank you. Thank you for being here and doing this. Happy to be here. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired Podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcast, this will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys.